Welcome to Cultivate the Ordinary Podcast, curious conversations for the anxious, frustrated, dejected, and bored. I'm Travis. And I'm Jesse. So often, we're held captive by screens, schedules, and media that's mind-numbing and polarizing. This leaves us seeing dimly through a fog. We want to spark more imagination and a better awareness of God's presence in the everyday. Join us on a fun journey of discovery and curiosity as we look at the ordinary through the lenses of joy, wonder, beauty, and hope. I want to open today's episode with a excerpt from the book, The Christian Imagination. And this is from Lucy Shaw, a poet, where she talks about beauty and creativity. She says, and our own creation of beautiful things links us with our creator. God was the first quilter of prairies, the primal painter, night skies, ferns, thunderheads, snow on cedars, the archetypal metal sculptor, mountain ranges, icebergs, the composer who heard the whale's strange sonorous clickings and songs in his head long before there were whales to sound them, the playwright who plotted the sweeping drama of creation, incarnation, redemption, the poet whose words said it all. God made us human beings in his image. We participate in creative intelligence, giftedness, and originality. We each have the faculty of imagination deep within us waiting like a seed to be watered and fertilized. Imagination gives us pictures by which to see things the way they can be or the way they are underneath. I'm really excited to have my good friend on the podcast today, Everett Conaway who does a lot of things. He's a jack of all trades, but the feature I want to look at today with him is his woodworking craft. So before I let it, uh, Everett talk a little bit about himself, I'll just introduce him as a friend and, and kind of what he means to me. But um, so Everett's been a former missionary with his wife. He's an entrepreneur, a musician, an educator. We work together at a children's home. That's kind of our entry point into our relationship. Um, and then he builds stuff in this epic tool shop, this workshop he's got, which we're actually recording the podcast in today. Um, at, when I reached out to Everett on this last minute to do this, which he's been super cool about. He was like, yeah, let's, can we do it in the, po- I think you just asked that, didn't you? Like, or should we do it in the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe because we were going to get kicked out of the house with the ladies here today, but, <laughs> but I was like, it, it's only fitting we're in the wood shop. So I almost feel like we need to start up a tool or something to prove that we're in here, but maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah, we're in here. I can get them all fired up. (laughs) So I just, but for me, Everett's one of those friends that like we could be in a conversation about the church, about theology, about punk rock, about smoking things on a grill. What else we can get lost in? Is that? Yeah, a variety of topics. (laughs) Variety of topics. Early ninety, no, no, late nineties, uh, Christian indie music. Yeah. Oh yeah, just add it all up. Um, and so, one of the things that when I think of just friendship, and I think of my friendship with Everett, um, I was just thinking back to a story. This this was several years ago, but I, I he reached out to me one time on the phone and. You know, just the tone of his voice, I could tell that, you know, something wasn't kind of right or something. And he, it was such a beautiful, vulnerable moment that um, he shared where he, he kind of was stumbling a little bit of his words and almost said something apologetic. Like, I'm, I feel like you said something like, 
I'm not even sure exactly why I'm calling you or mm. I, something, but I, I had to, something just happened and I just had to share it with someone. And it was that his granddad had just passed away. Mm. And it was just one of the most, I mean, I'm not trying to diminish the grief that you were originally, you know, just in that moment. But for me as a friend to just felt like I'm reached out to so he can even start to process his own grief or your feelings was just, it was a gift. I mean, in a way for me. Yeah. And that, that's interesting for you to say. And I, and, um, I appreciate you, um, bringing that back. I, I did remember that even as I was talking to you earlier, just earlier this week, just thinking about how we process grief. It, mm. It's, it's so interesting. Interestingly enough, you can hear that clock. My granddad made that clock. Wow. Yeah. So it hangs in my shop. Chimes we all hour. just heard that. Yeah. So that's pretty wild. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I think that, that that's, it is good. It was good to have somebody to lean into um, to help me process that. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that there's a lot of, there's been a lot of connections that you and I have had yeah. um, uh, in situations where we're, we're in deep places. We we've worked with kids long enough together to <laughs> to have gone through right. some very challenging circumstances together. For right, sure. for sure. All right, so tell us a little bit more of. I kind of set up some about you and what you've done in your family. Anything else you want to share just about yourself, or your family, or? Uh, I mean, you know, you gave a pretty good synopsis of it. Um, we've we've uh, originally for, we're from Florida, North Florida, um, and then moved. Um, subsequently down to, to Costa Rica for learning language, Spanish language, and then we moved to Ecuador for a couple of years where we worked um, with some missionaries that were already established there to um, work in the jungle um, with the Shuar Indians. And then from there we went and worked at a group home, a children's home in Argentina, Mendoza, mm-hmm. Argentina. We lived there for uh, nearly four years and then moved back to the States. We were in North Carolina and then ended up in Clinton, South Carolina, which is where we currently reside, um, to work at Thornwell Children's Home. And um, and that's where Travis and I met. And then um, <clears throat> worked there as house parents for um, nearly five years and then served in the office uh, there and then last year, I made the move to Thornwell Charter School, um, working in uh, behavior. Um, I'm a behavior skills coach working with elementary students mm. um, this year. So, yeah, yeah, keeping it real. Keeping it real. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like your life touches so much of life in all different facets, all the things that you've done and the things that you guys have served and, and done. So it's really powerful and cool. So, yeah, we're going to kind of transition into just hearing more from Everett about, you know, where he gets inspiration. And we're going to talk about the creative process, and especially when it comes to his craft and the art of woodworking. So that's that's going to be where we're going to land today. So before we get into the craft and kind of talking more about woodworking, what's inspiring you lately right now? Well, as far as woodworking goes, it's kind of on a bit of a lull because um, I have this year's my first year. I'm an assistant baseball coach, hmm. so baseball season is cranking up. So um, it, it has slowed in the shop somewhat, um, but just I like to um, find 
ideas and, and try to think through ideas that are fresh and that are challenging for me. Mm. Um, so, you know, just seeing what other people are making, whether that be on Instagram or, or however I see it, mm-hmm. um, just finding ideas and, and seeing how things are put together and seeing what people are doing out there. So I do get a lot of inspiration from others, from seeing what other creatives are doing hmm. um, and then trying to learn how they did it. Um, so, yeah, I just like yeah. I, I like I like seeing that from other people. Very cool. So th- you're saying kind of there's in some ways you're a student of creativity, too, within the. the uh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, when I think about you, um, too, and then is obviously woodworking is a craft, it's a skill, but there's a level too. I I. I know with you and the creative side is that there's even a, I would call you an innovator and in, in, in a way an inventor. And so it seems like a lot of the stuff that you're doing and building isn't just following, you know, I mean, there's a skill to it for sure, but then you're also creating, would you say new things or often or? Yeah. I've always been drawn to the, uh, the act of creation. Hmm. So to, to take, something from an idea that Mm -hmm. I can see this doesn't this isn't like it doesn't happen every time sometimes it's very utilitarian I just I I need to make this to do this thing or whatever it may be but sometimes I can uh, see um, a final product in my head and there there's times where it wakes me up early in the morning huh. and I can't wait to get out into the shop to see what it looks like in real life. Cause I can see it in my head right. and then to get it out. I've done that. Uh, I've painted a few things. I'm not a great painter by any means, but I've seen things in my head and I just have to get them out. Mm. Um, I wish that was the case with music. I do play music as well, but I don't write a lot of music. Okay. But I think that for some people, it's probably very similar sure. to where you just have something inside of you that's trying to yeah. get out. For yeah. me, it's through mostly now through um, creating things out of wood. Sure. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I, I think I've said that similarly in another podcast of where, you know, the creative process, you know, for some, I know even Henry Nowen talks about like for him writing it was almost like the practice of writing got out what was in him. So it was like that was what what was there, you know, that created the output that he sort of discovered. And others will talk about what you've said and what I often resonate with this is this idea of something actually just needs to get out of you and it and it may have already come upon you and you're kind of obeying this impulse to create what's just just popped in. Yeah. You know, like, and so, yeah, I, I love that. And it's interesting that you're kind of seeing that more maybe with woodworking that than it is with, say, music itself or I don't know. But like you said, you're not writing a lot or, or necessarily writing music. Yeah, but any any of that process of making something that wasn't there before, hmm. um, I've, it's, it's intoxicating. It's yeah. just it, it's something that. You know, you see people, and I don't, I don't consider myself like the tortured artist or anything <laughs> like that. But I do understand how some people, um, it leads to a demise of sorts mm. because it's, it, it, it's such a, an amazing feeling to look at something that wasn't there an hour ago right. and now is here in the world, and it has. It's tangible. It's something right. you could pick up, right. look at, or listen to, or sure. smell, or whatever 
that didn't exist mm. until you made it. And it's wow. just, it's quite a feeling hmm. to be able to bring something into the world. That didn't, pr- and would you say, um, you know, I love how you describe that, something that didn't exist, the intoxicating feeling of creating something. I mean, I, I would believe, I've said this, I believe, you know, some people don't describe themselves as being creative, but I believe that all humans bearing the image of God are creative. It's in our DNA. And I wonder if there is something to coming alive in those moments of like, we almost uh, feel a sense of like, you know, the, that God-like nature put into us of like, this was something from nothing. And I sort of imaged faintly what the creator did. I, yeah, I agree. And we're going to veer off into the grandiose and we're going to make follow this, us. Yeah. I mean, it's just, um, we're, <laughs> some people are going to, um, roll their eyes a bit and say, goodness, what are these guys even talking about? But, um, as you know, when you reached out to me earlier today to talk about this, one of the things that kind of popped in my head was the juxtaposition between um, create creativity or creating things and consumerism, mm. and I think that it's a um, it's just kind of creativity is the natural state, and consumerism is the perverse state. It's the twisted state okay. of that. So we are. Um, we're we're using we're consuming things. We can see it on a very um, practical level. I mean, you have things that I mean, I've made furniture, and and I'm not. This isn't to pat myself on the back, but I've made furniture out of real wood with real materials with real time and effort. And then you have things from IKEA that um, there's a difference in those. One sure. is made to be consumed, and one is made to to cherish and to last and and it's mm. it's built in such a way that it will it will outlast you know a lot of other things that are just built to be consumed so as i was thinking about um just a, a mass um production kind of thing and it i mean we see it in music we see it in any creative endeavor mm-hmm. you have and this again, this is going to sound a bit snobbish of me, and I don't intend it to, but you have people who are just trying to, they're pursuing the next hit. Yep. And that's what they get. And whatever. I mean, it, it is what it is, but it's a very consumer, consumeristic kind of mindset that takes it out of the realm of passionately creating something to just trying to find something that you can sell for a dollar. Mm. And then you, you chase the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And to me, that's, that's very, um, I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't, it's not, for me personally, it's not very life-giving. Right. Because, like, if I buy something from a from a artisan um, or even from a musician or, you know, whatever it is, um, it it's connects me some on some level. It reaches. It speaks to me on some level. Whereas if I go down to the Dollar Tree, uh, those things aren't speaking to me. Those mm. are things to be bought for a dollar, consumed and thrown in the garbage. And it's not. Um, it, it's it's there's just to me just that juxtaposition. I, I find that to be a very interesting place to think about. Um, mm. You know what. The, how those two things work in in uh, opposites or whatever, where you have creation 
and and that sort of thing versus uh, just mass production. I don't wow. know. I don't uh, know. No, that's I haven't I, fleshed it out. When you, that's <laughs> well, just what popped in my right, head. When right, right. No, I, out it, earlier. It does make me think of just that whole thing of what you were saying in the line of thinking. That I just want to sit and think with that more because yeah, it totally makes sense. And I, you know, like you said, the relationship between the created good and then that, yeah, personal touch to connect to that um, versus just like a you know mass produced thing that there's no, you don't even have any part of the story, the origin story of mm. it besides it was like maybe a factory or you know, whatever. But yeah. So, um, and I think when you, is, is that part of why we're, you know, there's this a little bit of nostalgia around whether it's metalwork, woodwork, I mean, some of these crafts that just, it, it feels like for many of us in the consumer marketplace, just with where we are in society and, and knowing like these all just seem like they're things from back in time. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that. I think that at, you know, it was out of necessity at some point because there were no factories and there were no department stores. But I do think that there's, um, there is a, a rebirth of some of this stuff. There is a desire to have things that are made um, from from an actual person mm. um, who, you know, like if I if I go to craft shows, I see it differently now. I think because I sometimes I set up at craft shows and okay. I'm there, uh, and when I go to them, you know, I'll I'll see something that I really want or something that really speaks to me, and now I'm willing to pay a little more than I used to be because I'm like this person, um, you know, if I if I pay them to buy this thing that they made with their hands, not only is it something of typically of of quality. Uh, and quite unique, but also that this person is in turn feeding their family, or right, you know what? Right. There's just this communal, a communal aspect that you don't get um, in our normal, um, current, you know, the yeah. current way things are for done, sure. you know, in, in in commerce. Right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no. Yeah. For sure. Um, kind of pivoting a little bit. Um, and this is one of my favorite quotes of all time, but, you know, the pastor and civil rights activist Howard Thurman once said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that because the world needs people who have come alive. Do you resonate with that idea when it comes to the craft, your art of woodworking? Like, th how does that make you feel like you come alive in a different way or a, a new way? Yes. Yeah, I would say completely yes. Um, just I, I I get what he's saying because um, there is, you know, because everybody wants to sell the, th you know, if you're making things to sell, you want them to sell. Right. And I've asked myself the question before, you know, what's going to sell? Uh, what, what do I think people will like? And it's a fine question and I've I've ended up making things that I do enjoy and I'm glad I made them and and people have bought them and that and that's all well and good but there's other things that I've made going back to the beginning of this mm -hmm. just because they were in my head and what you know even if there is nobody that comes in and says oh this is the perfect thing I was looking for doesn't I hope they do? I hope that somebody <laughs> right. sees it and they want it and it means a lot to them. 
but the fact that it means a lot to me mm. is very life-giving. If we, if I can connect with somebody who likes what I've done, that makes it even more. But to mm. just the 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 making of things with my hands gives me so much energy and um, just it brings a lot of joy to me. Sure. Yeah. No, I love that, and uh, we'll get we'll get a little bit more into like the curiosity side and and wonder and how it all connects us here as well. Um, a little bit of the backstory then, and then getting into the present with what you're doing with woodworking. So, kind of learn this craft as a kid growing up, or where did that go from, and then how did to the present day? It's it it's kind of been patchwork. So uh, my dad um, has always been very. Um, handy Mm -hmm. uh he i can remember as as a kid when i was around 10 years old we moved they bought a house that needed a lot of renovations he added a um built a whole nother room the kitchen our living room he built all of that and uh, i can remember that as a kid he would when we would go to school we'd come home and he would have us jobs to do while he was at work and so then then he would work on putting up what we did that day. Mm-hmm. And so there was some element of that, of just seeing how he did, uh, just being, um, learning how to solve problems. That's one of the things that I really like about woodworking is that usually it's a puzzle that has to be figured out. Okay. And that's a lot of fun to me. Huh. So just just being a problem solver, I think, comes from him. I, my mom taught me how to sew when uh, I was little. I used to make... Um, clothes for my my bears and my, you know like yep. my stuffed bears and yep. such uh, so you know they they're both very um creative people and and have abilities um to work with their hands and then we went as missionaries went overseas and um a lot of times you can't just run to the store and buy what you need so you have to figure out ways to make things work mm. uh, i did i also worked with a friend of mine doing some contracting work and he taught me some stuff laying tile and all this kind of thing so it all kind of works together um just to learn that i can do these things and right. and um make these things work so then we moved to thornwell and there's uh, as a family teacher as a house parent there was this kind of week on week off kind of uh, routine and um, not having not being satisfied to just lay around for a week right um, just trying to find something to do and one of the guys um, at Thornwell um, he gave me this little dovetail saw I don't even know why he gave it to me (laughs) I don't know where he got it I don't know I, I don't know I still have it but he gave it to me. I didn't have any tools because we had moved here from overseas or kind of, well, we passed through North Carolina, but I didn't really have any any tools to speak of. So I had bought like a drill for hanging up pictures in our in our off-duty housing um, and stuff like that. I had a, a, a hammer, and then he gave me this saw. Okay. And so we had um, this beneath uh, the deck of the the. Uh, the house where we lived at Thornwell, there was this um, screen frame thing. It was kind mm-hmm. of rotten. I took it apart and made a frame for my wife to just frame these pictures that spell out our name and whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And um, I loved it. And she was so happy with it. And I was like, oh, that was a lot of fun. 
And so then I took these, just this little small handful of tools and made something else and then made something else. And then I found that I could take pallet boards and I could um, make guitar stands out of them and I actually sold some, mm. bought a few more tools. And then so it, I was had the capability of making bigger things and I made other things. And then um, it just grew. And then when we bought our house, uh, I, I remodeled our house, learned a lot of stuff there. Also, I bought some tools for doing that. So then I had more tools mm. and it's just, it's just evolved into what it is today um, where it's become a little, you know, business of, of, of making things and selling things. Right. And, um, it was never really my intention yep. to do this. It's just every, every step kind of led to the next step to the next step. And, um, I just enjoyed every step of that process mm. and that, that got me here. And it just kind of, it's always been something it's never, I hope it never becomes like a drudgery. Mm -hmm. I've made a few things that are um, cornhole boards. I always use an example. I do not like making cornhole boards <laughs> because they're all exactly the same. Uh -huh. And I know there's artistry in it. But, sure. um, but for me, I found it to be very stifling. And I, I overall, I find what I do to be very life-giving. Yeah. And I hope that it never becomes like a like a drudgery, like, mm, oh, I have sure. to go out and make this right, thing today. Right. I'm always excited to get out here. And so that excitement kind of led me to the next step, to the next step, to the mm. next step. And I try to think, like I'm thinking about right now, my next step of this is to get into turning wood with okay. a lathe, which is a whole other world that I have no tools, <laughs> no capacity for. But I want to get into that because it seems like it would open up a lot of possibilities. Mm -hmm. Every step has kind of been that. What can I do yeah. to to make better things? To you know, to bring more things into this world. And um, so I, I've completely lost track of your no. your question <laughs> that led us down this path. But um, oh, how it started. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it started small and it's just grown. And who knows where it's going to go from here. It, it is funny because again, I like I said, we're we're actually recording this in his his workshop, his wood shop. Wood, what are we calling? This? I call it a workshop. A yeah, workshop. workshop. Okay. And I, you know, even the size of your shop continues to expand. Uh, you know, just it, it's super cool inside, all your music and decorations and stuff. But like, it's almost like the wood shop itself kind of mirrors you know the, the world of how this has grown as it's as it's grown too it is yeah i would agree i mean it's you can there's all of this is kind of date stamped like this right. is where it's, where we're sitting is kind right. of where it started and then that's the new part over behind us but. uh yeah so we don't have a video podcast or yeah you get to see the whole inner workings of where the magic happens um you know, so as we transition a little bit now into the present of this business, you know, like you set up well of it became this thing that snowballed, got bigger, you know, your passion grew, you know, probably more capacity and time. Um, you have this, you know, I love, like you've already said, your sense of, of ma matchmaking, maybe the wrong word here, but like when you make a product to see the customer get it and to know and to wonder what their expectation or what what's going to happen when they get it but it seems like you're so tuned in and connected to the experience on the other and not just the making and building but then also the receiving and sort of the the handoff of that and so is that yeah yeah no and that's good i'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that um really keeps me going 
and excited about it is that I have made things. Uh, I've made, for example, uh, th- dining room tables. And um, to know that, you know, tonight there's going to be somewhere a family sitting, eating dinner around a table that I made, uh, having conversations, you know, raising their kids, mm. doing homework, you know, whatever they do um, around a table that I made that they thought enough of to bring into their home mm. and center their their family community around that table. It's just mm. amazing, yeah. you know, to make something to hang on a wall that they took home and hung on their wall. Right. That they when they have guests over, we'll see it. It's just, yeah. it really does a lot for me to know that people find enough joy in what I've made yeah. that they are willing to buy it yeah. and then take it to their house <laughs> and display it. Yeah. I think is amazing. I don't Well I, and, and I love that. And I, I'm it's fun to sit and talk to you about this because you've done that stuff for me than me being a friend but also a customer where, you know, at Shiny Eyes Retreat, you created this this bear wood piece of art that I, when I look at it, I see this amazingly beautiful thing and I also think of you. Oh, you know, it's, it's just nice. cool that, yeah. that, you know, I, I know the the magician behind the, the <laughs> craft <laughs> on that one. So that's really fun. Um, so tell, tell us, so you started then a business, kind of a side hustle that continues to seem like it's growing as well. But Sixth Interval Designs, mm-hmm. uh, tell us a little bit about what what's the origin of that name and then just about the business itself. So um, years ago, I had drawn a, a picture i play a little bit of piano i play guitar i play bass but i had drawn a picture of this guitar neck and a piano keyboard kind of swirling into each other whatever it's hard Mm -hmm. to just this it does irrelevant to the story but um i had signed it at the bottom with um my initials but on a a music scale because my name is everett conway so ec um so i had signed it with like an e and a C on a treble clef kind of um, bar, whatever. <laughs> I, yeah, the word escaped. <laughs> Anyways, so um, I that was that was years ago. And so that I, as I was thinking about, hey, I want to kind of start this as a business. What I'm going to do for a name? Uh, I thought that that would make a good logo because again, it's yep. my initials, um, but it's kind of hidden in this kind of code of music language. Yep. Very very nerdy. Uh, I recognize that, but the the space between an E and a C in music theory is a sixth. The interval okay. between the two is a sixth. So mm. that's why sixth interval design, and then my logo is an E and a C. Um, some people ask me about it. Um, a lot of people don't. Um, right. Some people go, "Oh, I see what you did there." Before uh, they ask me about okay. it, and I always like it when people figure nice. it out on their own. Nice. But now all of these people listening are going to know. But um, <laughs> the secret. That's right. All the millions of people. Um, so it uh, that's where it came, comes from, is, yep. is from that, just my name. Yep. And then, um, yeah, so I started it. It has progressively gotten larger um, to the point to this year I'm informing the IRS that I exist uh-huh. um, because it has it has gotten bigger. And, and I'm grateful for that because I have people that have sought me out to make things, sought me out to restore things that they have that are kind of uh, falling apart and they want to last. So um, it is growing. It, I'm, I'm delighted about it. Uh, but I don't really have grand ambitions. Um, I love 
I love my day job a whole bunch, and uh, mm. I don't really see this replacing that. Right. Um, but but just being able to to feed the habit of buying tools, buying records, <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, right. That's what. Uh, that's that's where I I put money back into this just to right. make make better things. So, For sure. Yeah. Well, someday you you can look back on on the legacy and how long maybe this business goes by by the time you're starting to restore stuff you've actually made. Early. Yeah, yes, exactly. Maybe it that is speaks true. to the quality of what you're making. So we've talked already some on Everett with your creative process. You kind of explained that and set that up really well of just kind of how a lot of times how creativity flows with you and as uh, how you see projects. Like I said earlier, I think that you're very innovative and you're, to me, you're an inventor as well. And so I, looking back, we've talked about some of the stuff you've helped me on. Um, my brother, who I've shared some about already, you know, has, you know, was in a traumatic uh, or had a traumatic brain injury from a car wreck about 15 years ago. And to this day, he's really trapped in his body, as we'd say. Um, relegated to a bed or a wheelchair, 24-7 care, tube feedings, etc. He is fully there, though. He can spell with either a machine or use the alphabet and manually, like, use his arm, and we, you know, point to a letter. Anyway, he can talk to us through that. Jeremy loved music. Loved, I think, way back in the day, Red Hot Chili Peppers was a band. He loved a lot of of groups and, and music and Beach Boys and, um... And Everett's a mutual friend also with Jeremy and, and has, you know, been around some in his life. Um, and there, I reached out one time to Everett because I had this idea of, like, how could we, you know, so Jeremy, uh, I thought back a long time ago of an idea where we got him to be able to paint by using his foot that he, he has limited mobility to do. And, but it, but it also got me to thinking, like, is there a way Jeremy could play music? by this little movement of his foot. And I thought, I know a guy. If ever there was a guy that could tackle creating some kind of pop instrument. And so I reach out and then you take it from here. Where did, what happened? What do you remember? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This was early on too. Very early in my, um, making of things days. Um, but you know, as I started thinking through what could we make, I'm going to try to describe this. It's not going to be easy. I have to really visualize (laughs) it, but I took a a board, um, essentially the size of like a two by eight or two by, it must've been about a two by eight, two by 10, something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, and I, I'm, I had, it's a stringed instrument, like a, like a guitar, um, so if it's about five feet wide, mm-hmm. maybe. And so on the two extreme ends, you have three strings coming up uh, through the board and then coming towards the center. And then they overlap about a foot in the center. So on either side, you have about a foot of three strings. And then in the middle, you have a foot of six strings <laughs> oh gosh I'm, i lost everybody so far and then we tuned them to a triad um getting in the weeds here mm-hmm. um where one is a g one is a c so he could pluck uh individually those uh strings on either side there's two chords yep and in the middle there was a blend of the two chords with the six strings so 
and then on the back was all the controls so that somebody else could come and there's a volume and tone mm-hmm. knob I think you know something along those lines I put pickups um, so it's, it was an electric guitar of sorts and then we made this pick uh, I took an exacto knife took the blade out and then put a pick in there instead of the knife where you could twist it and it would tighten around the pick and then we attached that um, pick to his foot <laughs> yeah. so he could move his foot to strum these strings. Mm. Plugged it into an amplifier and then the magic happened. <laughs> <laughs> and so Travis had the uh, genius idea of calling this thing a fetar. Uh, so yeah, so we invented the fetar yeah. um, for folks who have other abilities um, yeah. and are able to move just their foot so yeah. that they can still thrash with the rest of everybody. So, yeah, so the was thrashing. was born. <laughs> it, and what I loved about that, and to me that for me is sort of a dramatic example, but it was this pinnacle moment of where creativity, innovation, you know, may, may, maybe even some, even supernatural, I don't know, like, promptings of the holy spirit with imagination i don't know but it all comes together and the moment jeremy's foot str- i mean i i got chills mm. on like other times i've ever had chills i just um me like like you've said earlier something that never existed in this world at least in his context existed and on top of that music that was not strummed yeah. by him in his disability was notes went into the universe yeah no we took an impossible situation and made something possible yes um and yeah it was it was really quite amazing it was it was a fun experience to be a part of and there's things that i've made and i look back on it and i'm like how in the world did i even do that right i mean it just to do to, it would be daunting huh. if I had to, to to do it today. Wow! And um, because to come up with all the the way it worked, the lay it out, the spacing of everything, the fact that he we strapped that thing to his foot and he strummed a chord, mm-hmm. um, it, it's it is pre- it's pretty astonishing it that, <laughs> that yeah. it happened. Yeah, it almost felt miraculous. Yeah, in a, in a in a in a way that it could be for humans. I yeah. felt just like a spectator in the whole thing. Yeah, not really That's less of a participant, wow. more of a spectator. Wow. So a little bit like Geppetto and <laughs> there you go. the moment. <laughs> there was a woodworking reference. Yeah, um, I'm a real boy. <laughs> so this is what I'm curious about. You're you're someone that I I love being around because you're someone that you just I I feel like you see the world with I describe shiny eyes eyes that mm. see with curiosity and wonder in the everyday you look for areas and things that maybe others don't see or look behind things and, and just see the world I love that's what I love about being with you um, so what I'm thinking about with woodworking in your craft is you bring that lens I feel like into the world but then you're also with what you're doing with woodworking that's making you in a way stretch you and having you see with wonder and curiosity how can you design something do you feel like it's a two-way where you're bringing the the lens of curiosity into woodworking and that's that's so naturally then you know you're you're a person full of wonder that then that's just feeding what you're doing with this craft or is it also the act of woodworking and how you have to it kind of is forcing you 
to to have wonder to look at projects from different angles and stuff like that does that even make sense like is it no no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding we're just gonna go with it even if it doesn't because that <laughs> no. was so long of a setup <laughs> yeah I, what was the first word no i'm just kidding <laughs> um yeah um so yeah i mean i think that it does i think that that wonder does help me to be able to come up with ideas but at the same time like you said just it fills me back with wonder mm, to to think how in the world is did this happen mm. i mean it's just it it is quite amazing um the opportunities that i've had um fill me with wonder the fact that i get i've got calls before to I have made, here's something, I've made three urns. Wow. You know, that somebody said, I trust you with the remains of wow. my loved one. I mean, it's just, that, to, and just the whole process is um, is all-inspiring to me. Um, sorry, I don't want to cut you off there. I, when you said that, though, it reminded me of, of something, you know, I've shared before, I've lost my dad a couple years ago. My, my youngest brother, Brett, is, is, has done a lot of woodworking. And he, you know, for Dad's memorial, he created an urn box. Oh, wow. And we had, had some wood from our farm, our family farm, that became mm -hmm. sort of the, you know, kind of the exterior of this thing. And I'll never forget, though, Brett, in his tribute to Dad in the memorial, talked about the creation of that box. At some point, you know, he so again, he felt like this it felt like such an honor, but it was this, you know, this is again, like you've said, it, it's containing the ashes of his, his own father. And so even in the creating of that thing, you talk about like a, wow. I mean, just this profound experience, but he shared in, in a sort of a haunting way too, that dad was a, an inventor and, you know, so innovative and he could figure out all these things. Well, Brett ran into some trouble on a certain part of the project. And was thinking as he's creating this urn for his own father, I wish Dad was here to help me mm. finish the box. Wow! He didn't say it maybe in exactly, but that's what he said, and yeah. I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Staggered, yeah, staggered me. No, it, it is. I, I think that when you open yourself up to things like that, um, you know, there's a lot that because sometimes working with wood. Um, and, and doing this, it's a very solitary um, process. Right. You know, most of the time I'm out here by myself and I, I'm working through these processes and stuff like this on my own. And um, so in those, you know, when you had, like for your brother, um, I, I'm sure it was very meaningful. Yeah. You know, I, I the, the especially in a situation where you're making something like an urn, yep. you know, you can't help but to feel the weight of that. Right. And, um, and I certainly have, and, and just mm -hmm. the, the, it provides you time to think and to kind of, um, focus your mind on what you're doing. But in that it's very contemplative mm. and it, other things can happen when you're in a contemplative state. Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of opens up your soul to receive, other things that a lot of times the noise do, yeah. don't doesn't allow you to hear. Oh, I love that. Um, it just seems like that is being in this shop is is itself almost a contemplative experience at times, or, or 
It could be a few. It, it can be. Uh, it, it is often. It is not always. I don't want to make. Yeah. I don't want it to sound like this is some sort of monastery. <laughs> um, but it, it yeah. has become a place where. <laughs> all right, so here we go. The grandiose, right? <laughs> so I'm coming out here to shape wood, mm-hmm. and I have come out of this building shaped. Wow. Um, you know, every morning I come out here, drink a cup of coffee, read the Bible. Um, pray, you know. This is what I, this is how, where I start every day is is right where we're sitting, um, and sometimes I come out here and I go to the other side and I run mm-hmm. saws and I, I'm I'm saying you know whatever I'm doing, but it's that um, you know I I've come out of here. This is a workshop for a lot of things, you mm, know, yeah. and so and I am being shaped in my own life wow. um, in this building. Mm. Um, as well, you know, it's making me who I am. I by, guess. by the master woodworker there you himself. Go. That's that, right. That's, that's man, that just kind of sparks in my imagination. Thing. I want to, I want to have you respond to this, um, and I have a final question, sort of on just the intersection of faith here. But the great inventor and architect Buckminster Fuller, who designed the geodesic dome among other things, um, brilliant architect and designer has a beautiful fat and a fascinating line about sort of inventing. He says that when working or actually how he looks at problems, when working on a problem, I never think about beauty. I think only of how to solve the problem. But when I have finished, if the solution is not beautiful, I know that it is wrong. Hmm. Wow. Do you, I mean, I know you're just hit, hearing this, this, not fair to you to really respond. I'm just, I'm throwing this great line to you. So this, you're, you're maybe hearing this for, for the first time kind of, to, but it, does that resonate with you in terms of what you're doing and seeing on, you know, cause there's a lot of stuff you're, you talk about a puzzle and solutions and, and sort of, it's like, there's this craft where you're, you're walking in beauty, but you're also walking in design and building and math and, all of this is converging together. So do you kind of feel that sense of like his connection to beauty and being things being right and wrong as, as you can kind of even visually see that or feel that? Um, yeah. I mean, I can certainly, uh, see that. That is the first time I'm hearing that. I, I like that quote, but, um, I think it's from going from disorder to order. Mm. Uh, I, I think that there is a beauty in order um you know as we look at the the creation narrative of when when god made something and then said it's good Mm. he took disorderly things and made them orderly and that's not to say you know in you know like a kid it's very messy. You know, kids are very messy. They're very noisy. Mm -hmm. So it's not order in the sense that um, it's a polished thing sitting on a a mantle, but it's, you're taking, uh, like this kid in their fascination, in their wonder, all of these things that make kids amazing and wonderful um, is orderly um, because that's what they're designed to do. So um, as... As you, as w- and this is all off the cuff. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything. Uh, here we go. So I, I may change partway through. Um, but as we, as you have a design, an idea, 
an image of a, a finished piece or whatever, you're taking all of these disparate components, putting them together into an orderly fashion that is the design of the maker. Right. So as that comes together, it has its own beauty as an element of it. Wow. So yeah. whether that's a song, mm-hmm. so as a songwriter is putting together these notes, these chords, these words, these ideas and phrases, it all comes together into a song which is order, which is beauty. Mm. The same works for whatever medium you have, whether that be paint or whatever, yeah. uh, or woodworking. And so the design that the creator has um, is brought together into an orderly fashion. And, and yeah, I, I think that beauty is an attribute of that. Yeah, um, yeah. And, but that beauty sometimes is just in the eye of the beholder. And some people <laughs> look at it and go, what is that? <laughs> right, yeah. So it's not universal beauty. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love that because, yeah, for sure, you know, you're, you're, you're living in this world of um, beauty in, in both in terms of what you're creating and the output and the outcome but then even in the types of wood, I mean, you could talk for all day on just even that, but how you're sourcing beauty to like yeah. kind of work with in the raw material of it as well. So Yeah, that's yeah. a whole, that's a whole, <laughs> that, that's an, another a separate <laughs> episode for, for all those that's really geeking two. out. For all two of you still with us <laughs> and geeking right. out. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so let's, uh, let's land this plane here. And you've already alluded to faith so much throughout this talk, um, you know, and the creator and the creative process and um, order and all these things. But kind of putting a bow tie on this of like, where have you felt faith intersecting your craft and, and, and or how do you feel God's presence in the, in the woodshop? Um, I, I think that, as I mentioned, part of it is by connecting with people, um, you know, finding that common ground with people through this creative art is very special. Um, I think it's very, I, I, you know, I'm a big believer in community, so I think mm. that that's a big thing. Um, again, just the creative aspect um, reflecting what has happened, what I feel has happened in me you know, as a, a, a person who follows Jesus and believes in Jesus, I, I feel that I have been shaped into something new, something mm. uh, that I wasn't before, mm-hmm. that, uh, I, that I've been crafted into what I am. Mm. And so when I do that, I think it's a reflection, I think it's a testimony of sorts of the ways in which... Um, that process happens in one's life. Mm, you know, if yeah. you, you see that imagery in the Bible, even where we're, we're kind of compared to like jars of clay, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of workmanship that goes into that. There's a lot of intentionality and design. And I think that, that we, that me, that for myself, I feel that, that being somebody who creates things, it, it's all I can do. You know, it gets to the point to where I have to do this thing. Mm-hmm. I have to make this yeah. thing. Um, it's it's almost a compulsion sometimes, not mm-hmm. always, but sometimes. And and I think that 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 it it's a reflection of that. Um, and uh, for me, it, it's it's a it's gratitude. 
um, to to say tip for today, I have the ability to do this. Right. I have the capacity to do this. I right. have the the means to be able to do this. So to to ignore it and to not do it um, is is mm. not gratitude. What's yeah. that? Disgratitude. Disgratitude. Ungratitude. Ungratitude. I don't know. Non. A gratitude. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so I think for me, it's it's a way to give back mm. um, and and to be a good steward of the things that have been placed in my hands. Mm. And then, um, you know, and and then practically, I guess, you know, that I do sell things and I do earn money by doing so. And then to be able to, in turn, take that money and then to do things that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to do uh, on a global level. (laughs) That's not that much. But to, to the ability to reach around the world and or across the street or whatever and and to to do whatever God is leading me to do there. So it just, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that made any sense, but I think it just, it's a way, it's a communal way. It's a way for me to commune with God by he's the one that's given me these abilities. And so I commune with him when I do it, you know, like a bird flies. Uh, I think that that's the way a bird communes with God. He gave Mm, him wings. He, He gave me this ability. So it's, it's a communal thing that I can share. Um, and mm. that's not to say I float around my uh-huh. workshop like a cherub. Right. I certainly don't. Uh-huh. But um, I don't know. So yeah. I think it, it, it just is a reflection to give back. Yeah. Oh, man. So I'll many, stop talking. No, so many great <laughs> things there. And, and I, I just love to, just like you said, even the the process of, of creating something, you know, that sort of didn't exist. Images, God as creator creating us, the world, the process of being redeemed daily by his work is this visual representation scene even in like the, what you're doing with you know projects and work and it's being refined and shaped and formed and kind of visually seeing like you said like as a craft but what's also happening internally as a christian mm-hmm. i love that so we'll share some of this in the show notes uh in terms of but where can we find sixth interval and your work and so uh, most so most of my content goes on to it starts at Instagram at uh, six interval designs. If you search that, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Um, it f- feeds from there into uh, Facebook. So on both of those platforms, it's all the same content, uh, but you can find it there. I do have a website that I'm uh, is grossly um, in need of updating. It's just six, sixthinterval.com, I think. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Uh, so sixinterval.com and then uh yeah so you can find me there you can reach out you you would be able to find my email and ways to connect i'd love to hear from you awesome um yeah and just i think this is great i appreciate you asking me to do this this is fun yeah um i don't i this is my first time doing anything like this uh so it's um I'm sure I've talked too much because I have the capacity to do that, but nah. but I do appreciate it. Um, lots of fun, and uh, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to have Everett on some more. This is just one episode we want to cover on woodworking, and there's lots of other topics he and I can cover and would like to do that. Be sure to check out in the show notes links to Sixth Interval Designs, Everett's business, and we have the link for the premiere of when Jeremy played the fitar for the first time. The story we were telling in the podcast. Check that out. It's pretty cool. I'm going to give you some parting words from Annie Dillard. I think it's a beautiful way to look at the ordinary and to cultivate what's around us. 
She says, we are here to witness and abet creation, to notice each thing so each thing gets noticed. Together, we notice not only each mountain shadow and each stone on the beach, but we notice each other's beautiful face and complex nature so that creation need not play to an empty house. Hope you have an awesome day.